At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then, book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to you want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Thiefstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome in Miami Dolphin fans to a Thanksgiving Eve episode of SB Nation's Finsider Radio, the Jake and Josh Show. We are back after a much-needed bye, and we are joined, as we are every Wednesday, by the one, the only, Merrick Brave. But before we welcome in the fake doctor, I have to welcome in the Batman to my Robin, the peanut butter to my jelly, the one, the only, Jake Mendel. Jake, how's it going today, man? Josh, you didn't write that? I thought you did pretty good. I yeah, you did pretty good. I, I missed was, you. That was rough. <laughs> <laughs> no way, man. No way. You got this stuff done. I've missed you. It's been about a week since we've been here. And uh, it, it's kind of strange because usually the bye week's a nice breath, right? You can kind of step back. I watched all the other games. You know, you had the Jets and the Patriots uh, almost battling to a tie, which would have been incredible. But overall, nice little relaxing week. And next we get a very taunting one and eight and one Houston, Texas team. But Merrick, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm the Alfred to your Batman and Robin. I'm the the Ooh. the bag of chips to your peanut butter and jelly. I'm I'm here to join you guys. You need bread, right? Wednesday. You still need to be bread. <laughs> yeah, I mean we could do that. I'll, I'll be the white bread. <laughs> Take it one for the team there. But Merrick, you actually had a good idea for the show. You said we should do players we'd be thankful for, and being the. Uh, Hardest editor, I'll say. I thought to myself, like, if we were to do that, it's would we not just be sitting here saying, "Well, I'm 
pretty thankful for Tua. I'm pretty thankful for Tyreek Hill. You know, we'd go through the list. This team is absolutely loaded right now. It's been a pleasure to watch. But I thought it'd be interesting to get into three players who aren't necessarily getting a lot of love this season. Mix it up a little bit. Bring those, you know, maybe those players who have had to sit at the kids' table. You know, everyone else is getting all the love at the uh, adult table. But let's slide up some chairs. Let's get these guys in here. So we're going to go through three of those uh but gentlemen i want to see if you guys have any sort of news i will toss one out there kyle allen is starting for the houston texans instead of david mills uh lovey smith basically came out and said he won't name a starter reports are coming out that kyle allen will start that basically tells you that he's getting the first team reps at practice and someone just sent out a text it's really that simple uh kyle allen he's thrown about eight passes since last year he played in two different games for the commanders against dallas he has not played in a game this season uh I think I think uh, Davis Mills has thrown five interceptions in the last three games. So, guys, this is a volatile Texas team. We can say the Houston tanks. It really fits that theme. But, I mean, does this change the pulse? Does this give us any sort of direction about this game? Or is it still maybe these quarterbacks don't have a lot to offer? I think this Texans game as a whole kind of gives me pause a little bit. You know, we were talking about trap games a few weeks ago. I think this is a classic trap game for the Dolphins coming off of a bye week, you know, maybe the players weren't as focused as, as they should have been. That's just, you know, complete conjecture. I don't know if that's true or not, but you know, devil's advocate here playing the Texans, you know, not the strongest opponent left on this schedule a week before they travel to California to face Mike McDaniel's old team, the San Francisco 49ers. Could he possibly be looking ahead to that matchup? Um, could they be overlooking the Texans a little bit? And now the Texans offense, maybe they'll be injected with a little bit of life with Kyle Allen getting the start instead of Davis Mills. And, you know, Davis Mills hadn't really done much this year. You know, he started off decent and then it's kind of all been downhill since there or since then. So, you know, it's tough to say, hopefully I'm wrong. It's probably just classic pessimistic Dolphins fan uh, oh, mentality yeah. right now. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll leave Sunday's contest with like a 35 to 10 victory and, and I'll have egg on my face uh, or mashed potatoes and gravy, which I plan to do tomorrow. But, uh, nice. but I, you know, I do get a little, I don't know, a little bit more nervous about Kyle Allen than I, than I did. There's a backup bump. There's a little wild card factor to a backup coming in where things might not be normal, and that's not a good thing sometimes. Not a lot of recent tape on Allen, so we'll see. We're undefeated against quarterbacks named Allen this year. Is that is that a fact? That sound I like that. That was perfect. I mean, I, I feel the same way, guys. I mean, this is a team that really has nothing to lose, and when you play teams like that, I mean, sometimes, you know, you do fall into these trap games. Mike McDaniel did say the players, the way they handled themselves throughout the bye, he told them just to rest up, so it sounds like they listened to him. Sounds like they're back in the building hungry, but, you know, we won't know for sure until they get out there on the field, Um, but again, these, these guys have nothing to lose, and, you know, they have Damian Pierce, a very good running back. They have some pieces, uh, Brandon Cooks, Nico Collins, for example, so there are some weapons there, and Kyle Allen, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't watch a lot of Washington football team games, but doesn't he have a little bit of a mobility to him? Like, you know, that little bit of, you know, wiggle that could scare a Dolphins defense like we've seen over the first few weeks. So, um, again, we're going to all be sitting here. It's going to be like hopefully a 49, you know, three win, but um, who knows? Never say never, but I think the Dolphins will handle business. Two more notes for you guys before we get into the guys you're loving this season who aren't getting a lot of attention. One, Josh, I want to start with you here i want you to go full charlie talking about the mail because it's something i'd have to see it to believe it 
Um, Austin Jackson on the Miami Dolphins website is listed as the starting right tackle. I know Mike McDaniel has had a couple of quotes about this where basically, long story short, they're going to put the best five out there, right? It's been that coach talk. So Josh, does that mean Austin Jackson is going back to right tackle or is it Brandon Shell's job to lose? And this is just kind of some window dressing by the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, I mean, it's so hard to know what Mike McDaniel's thinking or saying. I mean, he really holds his competitive advantage, you know, whether it's the injuries or, you know, again, with this depth chart. I don't know how much stock I'd put in this. I don't even know that I would personally, you know, sit Brandon Shell off the way he's played over these last few weeks. And, mm-hmm. Jake, it's funny, I tweeted that out, and one of the replies were, uh, you know, he's going to be that sixth offensive lineman, and he's going to end up catching a touchdown pass. And that's something that you've absolutely been preaching, you know, since he went out with on the IR. So um, I don't know if Austin Jackson's going to come right in and supplant Brandon Shell, but um, Mike McDaniel's words made it sound that way. And he did say that, you know, Austin Jackson's healing up good and he's playing some of the best football. So um, if that's, uh, if that's some, an issue to have, I mean, that's a pretty damn good one. It's something we should be thankful for. Yeah. I feel like Austin Jackson is, you know, he's a young player. Uh, this year has been a lot better of a season for him outside of the injury, but he started off, uh, started off strong early in the season. And, you know, you're kind of banking on him becoming that right tackle of the future for the team. So I, I would understand if they went back to him. And, and kind of another another unwritten rule in the NFL is you don't lose your job to injury. You know, Jameis Winston went on about it earlier uh, this week or last week in uh, in a little press conference when when they were asking him about losing his job to Andy Dalton when he was hurt. So I could see Mike McDaniel putting Austin Jackson back at right tackle uh, as, you know, even if he wasn't playing the best football, playing better than Brandon Shell, I could see him doing it at least for a short while as kind of a locker room move, as kind of a, hey, no, look, guys, I'm, you know, he is a player's coach. He has that reputation as a player's coach. Like, hey, you're not going to lose your job to injury. He's setting a precedent. And then if Austin Jackson went out there and played poorly, you can always go back to Brandon Shell and reinsert him into the lineup. I, I mean, hope it's that simple. You want to evaluate him, right? I mean, they want to see what he can do as well because, I mean, again, he wasn't playing like a world beater at the beginning of the season, but this is a young player that, you know, with this coaching staff, you want to see what you have in him. So, um, again, I guess we'll see, right? No one really knows. I don't know that Mike McDaniel's ever really been put in a situation quite like this. And left guard, that's another option. I know Robert Jones played well last week, but just something to keep in mind that Austin Jackson might get some snaps there. Uh, One more news note, but before we get to that, I want to take you guys on a little guilt trip. I have a request. I have a request for everybody listening and for everybody who's going to the game this weekend. I would love every picture of every single thank you, Laramie Tunsil sign we see in that stadium. That man better be welcomed like a king. I want to see all the signs. He better get the biggest cheer in the entire stadium. Tua, we love him. Tyreek, we love him. This week belongs to Laramie Tunsil. So please, everyone out there, I'd love to see all the pictures. There better be some thank you, Laramie signs out there. Oh, I I totally agree. Laramie Tunsil uh, has had more impact on this franchise than any player since Dan Marino retired over 20 years ago. Laramie Tunsil for the ring of honor when he's done. And you know what? Not even, not even when he's done, just put him up there right now. Let's unveil it this Sunday at hard rock. We put him in the ring of honor. He, He gets to, you know, wave to the people and take a bow and, and then, you know, maybe we'll, we'll bring him back next year or something. Who knows? That's what we really want to see, right? Uh, we want to see a standing ovation for Laramie Tunsil. We want to hear him chanting his name because, you know, we joke, Jake, there was going to be the butt fumble at the beginning of the Miami Dolphins Super Bowl DVD. 
why not Laramie Tunsil with the gas mask, right? I mean, that's kind of what put everything in motion. Um, Jake, I don't want to steal your thunder. I don't know if you were going to mention this, but the Dolphins did sign a defensive tackle. R.J. McIntosh to the practice squad, uh, drafted in 2018 in the fifth round, spent three seasons with the New York Giants, played 18 games, recorded 18 tackles, two sacks, depth piece, a guy that can play a little bit of five tech. You know, what are your thoughts, if anything, on this guy? But um, that was one of those moves that did happen since the last time we talked, so I figured we had to throw that out there. Something, something, uh, McIntosh was the apple of Miami's eye, something, something like that. I don't know. This is it's, it's a practice squad <laughs> signing. Obviously, you're looking for some sort of snaps to uh, absorb the loss of Emmanuel Agba. And Josh Boyer, I, I wish I had the quote, but he just went into detail about how matchup-oriented this Dolphins defense is. And maybe there will be a couple weeks. Damian Pierce is actually a good example where you're facing those bigger physical uh, running backs where you want to get some bigger guys in. But overall, I say this is a practice practice squad type move uh one last thing merrick where's your queasy meter at byron jones still not practicing you thought he was coming did you say he might come back at the bye weren't you like optimistic a little bit that we might see him after the bye and here we are i was hoping i don't know we're ever gonna see him play again for the dolphins i mean as sad as that sound I feel like the the chances of seeing him suit up for the Dolphins this year are just getting slimmer and slimmer by the day. Um, I, I wouldn't say it, we're at a 0% chance, um, but it's not looking good. If you are going to give him another week of rest, though, wouldn't you do it against the Texans? Wouldn't this be the, I the love week this. where you go? I love this spin. Yes, of course. You're right. All yes. the copium. Oh, I'm so here He's for this. He's coming yeah. back versus the Niners. Uh, revenge game. He's uh, gonna... yep. <laughs> against Jimmy G and and uh, Ayuk and Debo and Kittle and McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell. I mean, yeah, we're going to need him against that offense. He's coming back. Maybe, but probably not. Yeah, the queasy meter's broken. It just it exploded off of its hinges. It's It's... I mean, he's in Will Fuller territory now. I almost put him on a milk carton, but then I felt like I just need to grow up and stop doing that type of stuff. <laughs> That's why Dude, Twitter love loves that. you, Joshua. So All right, I'll, I'll, I'll do it for this pod then. Can I do that? Sorry, Jake. I'll, I'll, yes. That'll be our picture for the pod. I'll, I go through random blue checkmark tweets and it blows my mind how about 20% of the time there's also always the first response is just house with like three words or a gif. That is always, <laughs> always one of my favorite things. And that's why he's the king of Dolphins Twitter. Let's take a quick break. And on the other side, three players who aren't getting enough love this season. So stay tuned. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Speaking of Byron Jones, Jake, the player that I am most thankful for, yes, obviously, Tua Tavaloa, Jalen Wild, Tyreek Hill, you listed the names of all the prolific players that we have on the Miami Dolphins. But one guy that really stands out is the undrafted acorn out of Texas A&M Commerce, Cater Kahu. 
The 23-year-old corner appeared in eight games this season, playing 78% of Miami's defensive snaps. He has 39 total tackles, five pass breakups, and a forced fumble. PFF has him ranked as their 14th quarterback heading into Week 11. He's a physical corner with exceptional ball skills. He's made some big plays this season, dating back to, honestly, Week 1, where he came in as a rookie and had an impact versus the Pats. Most impressive, however, is his ability to come down and make it plays in the run game. He's a sure tackler, and honestly, he might be one of the best tacklers on the team. So I just want to say I'm thankful for the guy that we named, the one, the only, Darth Cater, Cater Kohu. Kohu. Cater Kohu. Cater Kohu knows how to pronounce that last name. Am I right? I can't pronounce any last name. Beautiful. That's one beautiful. thing I'm terrible. <laughs> yeah, no, Cater has been uh, a revelation this season. And we needed this, this team, the Miami Dolphins needed somebody in that secondary to step up and replace Byron Jones. And, and, you know, they've lost plenty of other people as well. Trill Williams was lost uh, before the season started. Uh, Brandon Jones was was lost recently. Nick Needham was lost. Like, it's just the attrition in this defensive back room has been staggering. But Cater Kohu has allowed the Dolphins to to kind of, you know, handle and deal with those losses uh, as best as they can. And, you know, Josh Boyer does it again. He, he strikes gold with another undrafted free agent signing. And, uh, you know, you can say what you want about Boyer and his, and his coaching and what he's done with the defense this year. But with all of those injuries, you'd be hard pressed to find another defensive coordinator who could do uh, as good of a job as he has done. And a lot of that, you know, falls on, on the fact that he was able to find Cater Kohu out of Texas A&M commerce, not even the regular old Texas A&M, the commerce version. I don't even know what that is. What do you specialize in with, when, when you do commerce is, what is that? Does I didn't do that. I didn't do that much wrestler. I didn't do that much research and I'm a, I'm a cook. I'm the least smartest out of all of us. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Cater Kohu has been cooking this season for the Miami Dolphins. And that's all I got to say about that. And the perspective to it too, you think back to last year, Byron Jones and Xavier Howard dealing with injuries, just how much this, defense struggled I mean this was a team that was one and seven and and they lost to the Jaguars this was a team that's hope was hopeless I mean they they still showed the commercial where uh Nick Needham's no excuse me Noah Igbenogany is getting torched by Marvin Jones from the Jaguars game last year in like a yes or a next-gen stats commercial from the NFL but what we what we saw from this group is like them kind of change their identity mid-season right you know kind of they had to the Byron Jones stuff throughout the offseason I mean we could go really deep always sunny about there being some backdoor drama there there. Uh, but more importantly, you, you mentioned off all the injuries and then you bring in Bradley Chubb and the best way to kind of look at these things is the fact that Josh Boyer, Brian Flores, these are guys who built this defense on the secondary on cornerbacks. I mean, Mike McDaniel's casually sitting up there and saying every first round pick, every high draft pick, I want to get defensive ends. We need pass rushers. So you saw that identity change happen so quick and that wouldn't be possible with guys like Darth Cater. Completely agree. And um, not to throw out any more stats. Well, I'm going to definitely throw out some more numbers. Has played 250 snaps in the slot, only 121 on the outside, and has a 76.5 PFF grade for, again, whatever that's worth. But I think we can all agree that this defense and maybe even this Miami Dolphins season could be completely different without Cater Kohu. Kohu, I said it right, right? I'm just going to copy and paste the right pronunciation and put it in there and just, you know, copy and paste but i am very thankful for him darth cater the guy that we nicknamed and let's just hope you know his best football still ahead because can you imagine you get trill williams back you get nick needham you got xavian howard then maybe darth cater on top of that i mean oh my gosh what a secondary that would be very hopeful them to all get healthy 
Till then, we'll though. find yeah, we'll find out next year. But we're still focused on this year. And speaking of this year, let me uh, let me give you my player, Jake and Josh. How does that sound? Uh, my player nice is segue. full fullback Alec Ingold, who is actually PFF's highest graded fullback on the season in the entire NFL. Highest graded fullback for the entire season, Alec Ingold, and I think that's right. Don't uh, don't chastise me if I'm wrong. I'm not very good at reading numbers on PFF, but according to the little green uh, green numbers next to the names, Alec Ingold ranks just ahead of Patrick Car- Ricard out of Baltimore and Kyle Juszczyk of San Francisco. Uh, and not only was was Alec Ingold the the highest graded fullback for the entire year, but he's actually he was actually PFF's highest graded Miami Dolphin. In their win against the Browns, he had a 95.7 rating in that game. He caught a touchdown pass. And Josh, I saw you posting clips on Twitter the other day about Alec Ingold's game against the Browns, and he was just blocking his ass off. They lined him up on the first drive alone. I'll just take you through the first drive, just the first drive, which did end up uh, with him catching a touchdown pass from Tua. He lines up as a tight end to chip block against Miles Garrett. Then he lines up in the backfield on a nice run by Mostert. Then he lines up as a slot receiver outside of the tight end to cut back inside and block Clowney on a Tua pass to Mostert. Then he lines up on a tight end on the right side and comes in motion all the way to the left side to block the defensive end and spring a long Jeff Wilson run. On the very next play, he lines up on the left side as a tight end, ends up in motion, cut blocks on the right side. Wilson gets another long run. And then on the play after that, he catches the receiving touchdown from Tua. That's all on one drive. How versatile is this man? Alec Ingold for president. And it's all about the packages the defenses are seeing, right? Because you're seeing Alec Ingold line up in the slot. You're seeing him line up in the backfield. And it just makes opposing defenses so, so uncomfortable to have to deal with. And everyone watches games on, on TVs that are massive these days. But it's so... Hard, but at the same time, it's so fun to see Alec Ingold go in motion every play and try to follow what the opposing defender is trying to do, especially in their man coverage. You see so much yelling back and forth. You see so much confusion. And that just kind of goes to not only how smart Mike McDaniel is, but how smart Alec Ingold is that he can kind of have all these different plays, all these different priorities, all these different uh, designations that he's going to kind of be running towards and and uh, make it look very well, make it look very pretty even. Was I right, Jake? I saw you looking it up on your computer. Was I right? Was Alec Ingold number one rated fullback on the season? He's the he's the number one rated fullback, but I for some Heck reason, yeah, I thought he was the number one graded player in all of but football. I, he was for the Dolphins all, last week. I know that for sure. I know. I don't for, know if maybe that yeah, was the tweet. So highest graded Dolphin against the Browns, but he is the highest graded fullback fullback in all of football for the entire season, which is really cool because he started the year uh, injured. He was banged up. He was in the red non-contact jersey, and I believe Christian Wilkins was actually getting a little miffed at him during training camp because even though Alec Ingold was in the red non-contact jersey, he was still lighting up these defenders <laughs> on run plays in training camp. And Wilkins was like, yo, when do when do we get to hit this dude? Like, get this jersey off of him. He's clearly cool. He's clearly good. But, uh, you know, he started, he started off a, a little injured, uh, kind of working his way back, but he's come on strong as of late. And I think he's going to be a big part of this offense moving forward and a big part of unlock 
this ground game along with the addition of Jeff Wilson. So really excited to see how Alec Ingold can finish this year strong and uh, hopefully kind of be leading uh, leading us into the playoffs just like he leads these running backs into the hole. I I love the way the Dolphins utilize him. And I correct me if I'm wrong. Was he not one of uh, Mike McDaniel's first signings in free agency? I know how important yeah. the fullback position is to this offense, you know, a Kyle Shanahan type offense. So to see the way he's being utilized, you know, you mentioned lining up a tight end lines up a fullback and Jake, to your point, watching those linebackers move, there are times when they'll send Alec Ingle to the right and they'll run the ball to the left. They'll completely, you know, throw those linebackers off just a split second. And that's when you see those holes open up. So um, this dude's a fan favorite. Love that he worked his way back, like Merrick said, from an injury. You know, he fell right into the Miami Dolphins lap. And for this offense, he was the perfect fit. And I am stoked. And I guess we're thankful, right, for Alec Ingold and what he brings to this Miami Dolphins offense. And I think you kind of see a big change, especially in this offense. It really goes down to time per play, right? How slow the Dolphins are getting up to the line of scrimmage. And it's not because they're even trying to burn clock a lot of the time. It's simply you want to keep every defender, their eyes moving, and just confuse them. It's really that simple. Uh, We mentioned the first three picks in the 2020 draft, so we might as well wrap it up with the uh, fourth pick. I went with Big Bob Hunt. This guy, I mean... For years, we were begging, like, hey, Dallas Thomas, can you be mediocre? Hey, Billy Turner, can you be mediocre? There was that guy from the Packers that we gave, like, a three-year deal to. I cannot think of his name. But it's just been really hard for this team to find guards. So that's why I wanted to go with Robert Hunt. Uh, He only has four penalties on the season. That's tied for 10th. Two sacks allowed, just one quarterback hit. And above that, he's really been turning on late. I think it's just two pressures over the last four weeks, which is just you see this offensive line coming together. You see it really gelling when you have five guys locked into position. You're not dealing with injuries at left guard or right tackle. When you see some continuity, you really see uh, the different strengths pop out. Uh, overall, PFF grade, 78.8. Uh, I don't, I, I'm a little confused here though, guys, because he has a 78.8 overall PFF grade. His pass blocking grade, 75.7. His run blocking grade is 77.7. Quick math, quick averages tell me that's (laughs) supposed to be 76.7 is his overall grade. But what it also tells me is there's a stat here where his receiving grade must be through this roof, and that's the only thing messing up this math. That's got to be it. Doesn't Chris Collinsworth own part of PFF or like a majority? I think he owns it. Let's call him. Let's get him. I think our listeners are wondering if we just got a subscription the way we keep throwing out all these numbers. (laughs) (laughs) What a thought. A subscription. I don't know if we got three subscriptions. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> this is Netflix all over again. But dude, man, I, I feel like a clown because for how many years, Jake, did I come on here and say, you know, let's try to put um, Robert Hunt at right tackle. And I mean, he did look solid when he did get reps there, but um, I think he's much better suited at guard. I mean, some people say, you know, this guy could go on to have an all pro type career. So I love what we have out of Big Bob Hunt. Um, dude is an awesome personality. And, you know, when he's on that right side of that line, you feel much better than you would with some of those other options that we've seen, you know, in years past. How about... How about this Dolphins offensive line? I, I know we're we're kind of putting a spotlight on Bob Hunt, but but how about going from one of the worst offensive lines in football for multiple years in a row, and then this year, this is the offensive line uh, that we get. And a lot of the credit has to go to the additions of Mike McDaniel as head coach and and Frank Smith and Matt Applebaum because they've gotten these guys into shape you know and and I'll also give some credit to Teron Armstead because he is essentially a player coach for that offensive line he leads by example and and he's gotten along with those coaches he's gotten this this line 
which has suffered injuries. You know, Liam Eikenberg went down. Austin Jackson has missed a, a handful of games. And the reserves have stepped right in and played really well. So this offensive line as a whole, I'm just going to be thankful for all of them. And the reserves coming in and playing so well is just another point to the fact that those three cornerstones this year of Robert Hunt, Teron Harmstead, and Connor Williams have been an absolute studs at the position. And I, I kind of caught myself off guard looking at a couple of these stats. Obviously, PFF grade, there aren't a lot of good indicators for offensive linemen. But if you do look at these grades and you see a good one, you can go watch the film and you'll know exactly what they're looking at. Uh, those players obviously stick out. Um both Robert Hunt and Connor Williams are having good years as run blockers. And I just wanted, I felt that was important to know after, I mean, I've been gushing, I've been raving about how much this Dolphins team loves to run to the left side, run behind Tron Armstead. But overall, as a group, this offensive line is looking a little better. And one last note I have here that makes things really refreshing. He was absolutely elite earlier this season against Buffalo, shining against, uh, shining in the run game, excuse me, I should say. And then last week against Chicago, he was an absolute stud at uh, going against the pass rush. So I just think it's important to note this. This is someone who doesn't only defend the pass. He doesn't only defend the run. He can be that consistent right guard you need maybe for 10 years if you're lucky. All while rocking the painted fingernails, too. <laughs> yes, they look nice. That's what my I got to get my daughters to get hook me up with some of those. Another thing, another thing we're thankful for. Uh, we have to throw this out there: uh, the Jets drafting Zach Wilson, right? Are we not thankful for that? Oh yeah, I'm oh yeah, very absolutely. thankful. Very thankful. Remember when people said that he, uh, he was in the Patrick Mahomes mold? Yeah, those people are so stupid, <laughs> dummies. <laughs> it's so fun just to tie people. Oh, he's the best player in the league. Obviously, he can't be just middle of the pack. He's instantly going to uh, best player. <laughs> Guys, to put you on the spot real quick, do you have any honorable mentions? I mean, I had Connor Williams, Brandon Shell, just kind of more raving about that offensive line. And Zach Sealer, I mean, he's going to be underrated even if he's the 99 overall in Madden. I'm still going to be yelling at them that he's underrated. So I guess he was also on my list. I got one for you. Trent Sherfield. Yep, I like that one too. Thankful for Sherfield, uh, you know, not just as a receiver, but as a blocker out there. And there were a lot of reports that Sherfield and Craycraft we're helping the wide receivers in Miami pick up this scheme quicker because both of them came over from San Francisco where Mike McDaniel, you know, was a coach. Uh, and obviously that system or a variation of it has been brought to Miami and Trent Sherfield and River Craycraft. So I'll, I'll be thankful for him as well. They helped Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell uh, learn this, the scheme quicker and pick it up quicker. And Sherfield, when he's been on the field, has been an impact player for the Dolphins, which uh, I don't think a lot of people predicted at the beginning of the year. A lot of people thought Cedric Wilson was going to be that number three option in the passing game, and that just has not materialized. Um, and I doubt we'll see him with the Dolphins next year. But I think Sherfield might have earned himself uh, a long-term roster spot with the way that he has uh, not only played on the field, but but helped behind the scenes as well. Yeah, I love both of those. I, I was going to say Zach Sealer, but is it a cop out to say Jalen Phillips? I mean, he said last offseason, or he said during the offseason, he wanted, he was a lean, mean machine. He wanted to get bigger, wanted to become that three down player. And we've seen it this year. You know, he's got better against the run. 
three and a half sacks. You know, we see the type of impact he has. So um, I was going to say Jalen Phillips, but I was also thinking maybe Justin Bethel for the way he's played. So we could sit here and honestly spend this entire podcast, right? Just thanking everyone because uh, this, again, is one of the best teams that we've seen in how many years. And uh, we got to thank Chris Greer too for that, right? I mean, Stephen Ross for not firing Chris Greer like I once (laughs) asked for. I mean, there's so many different things that we could be thankful for. And uh, being Miami Dolphins fans and getting to do this podcast with you guys, it's probably at the top of my list. Oh, I knew it was oh. coming. Yeah. So I, I got a question for you, Josh. What does a professional chef do on Thanksgiving? How do you dress this bird? What do you do? Well, actually, actually, I'm not cooking this this Thanksgiving. <laughs> my brother, my brother-in-law's cooking. He invited everybody down, so I got out of it. So I'll be doing Christmas, but I was really excited to smoke a turkey for the first time. But I mean, I've always kind of been kind of meh about turkey. I would rather do like a leg of lamb or something crazy like that than um, the traditional turkey. So there's no crazy spread on Thanksgiving, but I'll save all that for Christmas. When you go somewhere else uh, and someone else cooks for you, are you just like quietly sitting there going like, oh, this sucks. Like this is just a terrible meal. Like I could have done way better than this. Well, the good thing is my brother-in-law, he was kind of underneath me. So he was like a sous chef almost if I was, you know, the the executive chef. So he's learned a little bit from me. But yeah, there's always times when I eat something and I definitely, I mean, I critique everything. But at the same time, like you (laughs) spit it out onto the table. What is this garbage? Ruin the holiday. This turkey tastes like Zach Wilson plays. Something like that. (laughs) Drop that right there on Thanksgiving. That'd be a lot of fun. But we are so, so thankful for all our listeners. Merrick, Josh, I'm very thankful for you guys. Merrick, are you going to be back doing the uh, spaces come Monday night this week? Yeah. Did you do one last week? I'm sorry. I did not do one this week because it was the bye week. And uh, I just drank a lot of whiskey instead. So wasn't in (laughs) Didn't want to embarrass myself. But uh, yeah, we'll be back. We'll be back on the Finsider Twitter spaces on Monday. Uh, I'm joined by Sumit every week. Sumit is also a writer for the Finsider. He's like 20 or something. So it's it's kind of a unique thing to have my perspective as an old grizzled Dolphins fan. And then him is the the bushy eye or bushy tailed, bright eyed young young Dolphins fan with all this hope and optimism that he has for this this current season, which uh, you know what? He's, he's he's bringing me to his side because I'm feeling quite optimistic about this team as well. I hope it doesn't get, I, I'm, I'm very thankful for the season, but I'm very uh, concerned. I, I hope everything doesn't get derailed. That's all I'm saying. I'm knocking on all the wood. I'm knocking on everything I can, but thank you guys so, so much for joining us for Finsider Radio for the Jake and Josh show. We hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. We will talk to you on Friday, but until then, fins up. Fins up. Happy Thanksgiving. Fins up. Thanksgiving happy. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. We're all
when you say Miami, you're talking super cool, cause we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one, yes we're Yeah, hold on. Cater Kahu. Okay, I got it right. Co- I had to look. Co- I, li- I think it's Kohu, right? It, Kohu, yeah. Kohu. What did I say? Kahu? Kahu. Kohu. Yes. Who? Yeah, Cater Kahu. I literally huh? listened to it before I came on here. Cater Kahu. <laughs> can you put this Co- at the Who? end of the end of the pod? <laughs> it, did, did I say it right there, though? Yeah, I can put this at the end. Cater Kahu. I even listened to it. You know, nope. they have the trend. Kohu. Kohu. Cater Kohu. Kohu. I, 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 don't, I don't believe you. I think it's Co- uh, Okay. You're 